So this is the second year in a row we've had a mermaid-related book on our favorite reads for the year episode. <laughs> Perfect. Go mermaids. <sighs> if only we could take our love of reading to a new level. Well, I've always wanted to start a book club. Book club! For masochists and other deviants. Hello and welcome to the book club for masochists, where we read and discuss all the genres and types of literature, regardless of our actual interest in them. Every month we read books from a new randomly picked genre. Then on the podcast, we discuss our reading choices, experiences, opinions, appeal factors, and other related topics as friends and library workers. This is episode number 187. It's also the end of 2023, so it is time to discuss our favorite books and media of 2023. By no means things that came out exclusively in 2023, but just things that we experienced or read or played or listened to or watched in 2023. So there will be older stuff on this list. Probably, in fact, very little from 2023. But okay. I have at least one. I have ah. at least one thing from 2023. Fantastic. And who am I? I'm Jam, a librarian in Vancouver, British Columbia, which is located on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded land of the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Stolo people. My name is Matthew. I'm a librarian in Fort Collins, Colorado, USA. My name is Anna. I'm also a librarian in Fort Collins, Colorado, USA, which is located on the traditional and ancestral homelands of the... Uh, Arapaho, Cheyenne, and Ute nations and peoples. And my name is Megan. I'm an archivist. I live and work on the unceded traditional territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe, which is also known as the National Capital Region of Canada. Announcements! Uh, we got a really funny review on Apple Podcasts. Apparently that- this was funny enough to... Uh- Merit an announcement. <laughs> uh, well, we were referred to as lefty extremists um, and questioned why we were librarians and given one star. So I thought it was honestly, someone calling us lefty extremists is uh, basically a five star review in my mind. But also, this person doesn't know any lefty extremists, um, obviously. Uh, anyway, but you too could leave us a review that hopefully is not one star on whatever whatever your platform of choice is. I am curious what episodes that person listened to, if it was all of them, or in which case you could have just stopped and not left a review, or if it was just one and it was like the economics episode, which <laughs> may have may have convinced him, or if it was some completely random episode and it was just like, because we use pronouns or whatever, <laughs> it'd be anything. They were just really upset about the Creative Commons license at the end of the episode. An episode. Mm-hmm. Pretty extreme. Announcement two, we have a book list as we've been putting together for every episode for the last several years. This one is another retrospective book list. Yeah, this is a list of books on food and cooking. Food and cooking nonfiction books by BIPOC authors, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color authors. So check the show notes for food and cooking books by BIPOC authors or our website bookclubform.com. I realize that people might not know why I'm even saying this is a retrospective book list if they haven't listened to every episode. We did not, we do these book lists for every genre we've read, but we also did a lot of genres before we started making these book lists. And so we go back and are slowly putting in book lists for every genre we've ever covered on the podcast. There's a lot of them now. There's so many of these book lists. Are we ready to go? We probably have a lot of stuff to talk about. So let's get moving. Let's do it. 
So the way this is split up is uh, we will discuss uh, our favorite book, our favorite books in fiction and nonfiction that we read for the podcast, since we read both fiction and nonfiction for the podcast, our favorite fiction and nonfiction we read not for the podcast, and then our favorite other stuff, things, whatever. Apparently not bicycles. No favorite bicycles in this episode. As established per discussions, we did not actually record. (laughs) So who goes first? I will kick us off with favorite fiction. Favorite favorite fiction for the podcast. Yes. So this is uh, can come from a number of genres. The genres we covered in 2023 were holiday romance. Sorry, the fiction genres we covered in 2023 were holiday romance, domestic thrillers, fantasy, pulp, horror, suspense fiction, and maybe lyric poetry. I wasn't sure which where, where to put that one. So it has to be one of these genres. So which genre did you pick, Anna? I picked episode number 172, Domestic Thrillers, which is sort of surprising because we did have fantasy in there and you'd think that would be the one that I picked, but it was not. It was my runner up. (laughs) Um, So I read The Majesties by Tiffany Tsao for uh, Domestic Thrillers. And part of the reason why I picked this as my favorite fiction read um, from the podcast for this year is because I was sort of surprised that this was my favorite, <laughs> the genre with my favorite read um, from this year. It was an audiobook that I listened to, and I think it was a very good production um, and very good narrator for the audiobook. Uh, but I also think the reason, one of the reasons why I really enjoyed it is that it was um, set in Indonesia, and it was about an extremely wealthy uh, Chinese-Indonesian family. Um, and at the start of the book, everybody in the family, about 300 people, um, were all killed at a wedding. They were poisoned by, and we know who, by the sister of the main character, the narrator. Um, and the book is actually the process of unraveling how did it get to that point. Um, so it's really about um, the wealth and privilege of that family and the way in which that was uh, a negative for that family and the way in which um, people built sto- narratives for themselves about who they were and what it meant to have that wealth um, that were really not just uh, misrepresenting themselves to the rest of the world, but also were very much lies to themselves about who they were and what they needed and what they wanted and how they wanted to believe and behave in the world. Um, there's a lot of uh, like darkness in the book it is not a like uh happy but i guess that it is a domestic thriller but (laughs) it's not happy it's a pretty um angsty filled book but it's also uh for me kind of surprising to pick something that would be in the suspense or thriller genre because i usually hate those uh see previous episode and (laughs) this time actually i think what made this one work for me is that it is very slow so if you like thrillers you might not like this one because it is extremely slow and it's really a character drama in a lot of ways. It's really about the people in it. And that's what I enjoyed. I enjoyed the way the characters were built out and unpacked, and I thought it was beautifully written. So that that was my sec- selection for this year. I love when genres surprise us like that. Yep, absolutely. That's honestly, that was the reason why I, the primary reason maybe I selected it. I did really enjoy it, but um, I... I picked it partially because it was a surprise for me. So my favorite fiction from the podcast uh, this year 
was Mapping the Interior by Stephen Graham Jones for our horror episode. And I, there's a few fiction books that I really enjoyed this year that I read for the podcast, but uh, I think this is the one that I probably would not have read if not, if, you know, if it wasn't for the podcast, not necessarily because I dislike horror, but because I'm a, a big baby uh, and I kind of need that nudge unless I have like assurances that something's not, not too scary. And mapping the interior was like right in the sweet spot for me of of being sort of creepy and having like some unsettling scenes for sure um but but did not keep me up at night uh and yeah it was my first Stephen Graham Jones um and I'm looking forward to yeah who is who is prolific and and I'm looking forward to exploring more of his work in the future uh and yeah was also just like perfect size is like a, a short tight little book and um just so like emotionally such a such a, a gut punch so uh both yeah just just good on on lots of levels like the the writing and plotting and and just the emotional undercurrent of the whole thing it was um very like yeah raw and and gripping and yeah good great book mapping the interior awesome so as we all know we love to cheat on these lists um and and my cheat is like for for reasons because um so i was looking at the best fiction i read for the podcast and i I didn't see a lot i liked that much this year a lot of things i was looking forward to and was disappointed by so my favorite thing i read was um the kurosagi corpse delivery service omnibus volume three by ag atsuka and uh husi yamazaki which i read for horror when we covered that on the podcast however it's a a comic b volume three of a series i was already reading um maybe it's just a and b but still uh but i love the series i said in that episode that i wanted to go out and buy the next volume right away and read it and i'm currently reading volume four and i think it's even better than volume three um so this is this is one of my historically favorite comic series uh I realized also when reading it this week that it is more like a like a detective series TV show in that because it's very episodic and each volume will have a couple of different basically murder mysteries that the characters are trying to solve but they solve them by like talking to dead bodies and having them come back to life and kill the person that killed them um, and that sort of thing. It's so it's like very supernatural. It's like if a detective series had a lot more like horror, supernatural horror things in it. Anyway, if you're looking for a horror comic, I, I recommend it. So I was looking for actual prose that I'd read this year that I would recommend. And uh, much to my surprise, I would recommend, uh, I think my favorite. And also this is one of those things like how favorite does it have to be to get onto this list? Sometimes it's, it's not that difficult, not that difficult was uh, the best American mystery and suspense 2023 edited by Lisa Unger and Steph Cha, uh, which I read last month for the suspense episode. Um, I described this book as very American, confusing me about what suspense or mystery even was. And in my notes, mostly uninteresting to me personally. Um, but there were three stories in it that I liked quite a lot, um, which were specifically Forward by Jacqueline Framore. Blood, Red Leaves of Autumn by Annie Reed and Crime Scene by Joseph S. Walker. I don't know if any of them were suspense, really. Uh, maybe because I clearly still don't understand what suspense is. Um, but I like those stories. Um, and so that 
gets my recommendation, I guess. I think if you like crime fiction, it's worth checking out this that anthology, I guess. If you want to see what recent crime fiction in America is like. Fair enough. That does sometimes happen. Either there's just nothing that super stands out or it's the best of whatever we read. Yeah, it's like these. this is kind of checking out of like six books we read this year. And sometimes you read six books and you're like, none of these were very good. But so that one, some of the short stories in this collection were pretty good short stories. So that's why that's um that's why this was the selection. So I'm well, I'm not exactly cheating. I did my cheating earlier. Um, I think the first half of the year I struggled quite a bit with the reading thing, and my approach to it was to read a little bit more sideways for some of the genres rather than trying to hit them on the nose, as it were. So. The book that I've picked for my favorite fiction that I read for the podcast, I read for fantasy, but strictly speaking, is a horror. Um, but that's fine, because then we read horror, even though I didn't read this for the horror genre. Aside. Total aside. So what it is, is the um, Monstrous Mermaid book, The Salt Grows Heavy by Cassandra Ka. It's a novella. It's fairly short, not more than 100 pages. And this is... Just perfect if sometimes you would like to root for the monster in the story and you dig a little uh, take on mermaids, which, no, why not? Mermaids can do fun things. Um, I will say maybe not for the people who don't like body horror in their horror, but for the rest of us. Um, it was a rollicking good time and had a smidge of romance in it to keep things exciting. So that was one of my favorite reads of this year for the podcast. So this is the second year in a row we've had a mermaid-related book on our favorite reads for the year episode. <laughs> Perfect. Go mermaids. Last last year was Jam, your pick of Thirsty Ma- Mermaids by Kat Lay. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I recall. Thirsty Mermaids. Still good. Anna just bought it. Great. Everyone should buy it. It's great. <laughs> so maybe maybe it'll be on our best list again next year. We'll see. But uh, that finishes up our favorite fiction for the podcast. So now we're moving into favorite fiction not for the podcast? Yes, that is correct. Okay. So I <laughs> both of my uh, not for the podcast picks, my fiction and my nonfiction not for the podcast picks, are kind of cheats in in the sense that they're both kind of a mix of fiction and nonfiction. Uh, I didn't, I did not have any. Uh, yeah, the, these these were my two favorites, and neither of them really fit for either fiction or nonfiction. And so I just made one and made the other the other. Um, and so my favorite fiction that I did not read for the podcast was Heaven's Design Team. This is a manga series uh, by Hebi Zhu. Uh, Swata Suzuki and illustrated by Tarako. And I've read the first six volumes. The seventh volume has been on hold for me. I mean, it's been on order at the library. It hasn't come in yet. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I love these. I read them at the beginning of the year. And so I feel like I'm going to, um, lack some specific examples. But, uh, essentially the, the overall concept is that, it is a team of designers uh, who 
are designing the animals of Earth for the client, who is obviously God, but I think they only refer to him as the client. Um, and everyone on the team kind of has a specialty. There's one older guy who's just like the horse guy. He made the horse and he's kind of done um, professionally. <laughs> Um, um, there's one younger person who's really into creepy animals and always pitches like really, um, weird, like, you know, what if this one had like a spike that it used for mating kind of thing? Um, <laughs> it is, it is a series that like absolutely seems like it could be for kids, but then something like that will happen. Like, what about when these animals have sex, they have spikes that come out yet? Yeah. Just things that would be hard to <laughs> – things that kids would have questions about. Um, and, yeah, I, I, after – so in each sort of chapter, they get an assignment from the client and then come up with an animal and frequently um, will start describing an animal and it seems very, like, wild and, and unreal. And um, then they, like, reveal what the animal is and it's like, oh, that does describe <laughs> – it does describe how this works. Um I'm thinking of the elephant that they do the they do an elephant once and I can't remember any of the specifics except that it like had me cracking up. It's it's a very funny series. And at the end of every chapter, they also have a little breakdown. This is where the nonfiction bit is. Um a little breakdown of like which animal facts they said are true. Um and so it it clarifies like, yes, this, this, and this is true about these animals. Uh, so it is a mix of, of fiction and nonfiction. And I feel like I couldn't fully treat it as fiction because like one of the main things that I have taken out of it, uh, very enjoyable to read, very fun, but like having a bunch of animal fun facts is, has been like one of the the main takeaways, like turning to my partner, like several times a day when I was reading the series and being like, did you know naked mole rats do not die of old age? <laughs> they 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 don't develop cancer they just stop aging and they die from other you know predators and stuff but they don't age they don't die of old age um uh owl's ears are at asymmetrical heights i've got a lot of mileage out of that one owl's ears are like on different heights on their heads to help them get like a better sense of like where in space things are um which makes sense since owls are aliens or aliens or owls? One of those two. We discussed that in our alien episodes. <laughs> and when they are talking about owls, like at first, it's truly just like a little alien guy. <laughs> like he has giant ears and um, yeah, or no, giant eyes. Yeah, he looks like a little alien. Um, uh, my last animal fun fact that I wanted to get in here is that tarsiers have two tongues and nobody knows why. <laughs> they have some theories, but we're not sure. We're not sure why they have that, what the advantage is. So the elephant started out as a gorilla and then gradually over yeah. many revisions became an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> they kept trying things like, oh, this isn't working. Um, and then they they would made a horrifying monstrosity that eventually became the elephant. It's like a really messed up gorilla. <laughs> and then you flip the page and it's like, oh, it's actually an elephant. One I liked from volume two was when they accidentally made uh, a small child's creature um, and were being terrified by it. Uh, and their solution, like for so often they're like, Oh, we can just revise this. 
um, and turn a gorilla into an elephant. But this one was like finalized for some reason. Uh, but they're like, oh no, actually we got the scale wrong. It's actually very small. Um, and so they made it very small and now it's some horrifying like bacteria or something. Um, but it's it still looks awful. Um, but I don't remember what it is and I don't want to look it up. I don't. I, yeah, I remember the incident, but I don't remember what the, the creature is. But it, it was like, it has like a million legs and it can't be killed. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and it was originally like six meters tall. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's supposed to be like a millimeter tall. Right. Okay. <laughs> I have definitely placed a hold on the first three volumes of this series. Excellent. I think it's one that that rewards, to, for me personally, not just sitting down to read the entire book in one go. Um, I think reading this like a chapter or two chapters and then like going and reading something else and then coming back like later on is is the way that works better for me. But it depends on on how people like to read things. It is very episodic in that way. So my favorite fiction, not for the podcast, um, I discovered while looking through this list that I read, by read I mean in print, I read one fiction book this year that wasn't for the podcast that I finished. Listen to a lot of audiobooks, however. So audiobooks has apparently become the way I now experience fiction, which is weird because usually I'm listening to things in audiobooks. I also don't finish a lot of them. Because usually I'm listening to things in audiobooks that I don't want to read in prose. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of interested in this, but do I really want to read it in print? I'm like, ah, not really. And so I listen to the audiobook version instead, which is why I end up turning a lot of them off because I'm like, actually, I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> However, I have listened to some things that are actually genuinely really good and that I have enjoyed a lot. So my choice for this year was Ammonite by Nicola Griffith, which is a science fiction novel from 1992. Um, it is about a uh, on another planet. Several generations ago, a bunch of human settlers were sent there. Um, but contact was lost with that settlement. And now, like centuries later, they've come back to try to restore um, contact with this planet. It is also there was a... Um, there was a virus at some point um, that killed off all of the men. And so the society is entirely women and the visitors um, from earth are like, how does your society work? And so it's discovering all these things about the society. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, it's about the main character is uh, an anthropologist. And um, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was an interesting book um, and I've already recommended it to someone else. Here's the thing that I thought was very funny because I was like, this one's some awards, right? And so I went to look up what awards it had won. So it won the 1993 Lambda Literary Award. The award changed names is the reason I, I'm not getting this wrong. It won the 1993 Lambda Literary Award for lesbian science fiction and fantasy. One of the other books that was nominated for this award was Dreamships by Melissa Scott, which was one of my favorite books on this podcast two years ago. It was my favorite fiction book that I read for the podcast two years ago. So apparently in 1992, lesbian sci-fi, I love it. <laughs> you found your favorite vintage year and now you just need to you found your genre yeah yeah your just, genre and your favorite vintage year <laughs> just honestly it has made me go like oh like maybe i should look at these other books that were nominated for that year <laughs> but i just i just could not believe that i'm just like wow like two out of three years i'm picking books that were nominated for this award in this year very funny to me i have no no segue <laughs> But the book I picked as my fiction read of 2023 that is not for the podcast was a more recent read. I decided to do uh, one of those read 24 hours and 48 
readathons because it's like, I have too many books. I need to bring some back. Let us plow through as many books as possible. And I've made a little post on my Instagram and someone was like, oh, I see that book. Tell me how it is if you read it. So I was like, okay, I should read this book. And it was excellent. And I'm looking to get some of their other books that are, because the author writes both kids books under one name and adulty books under a different name. So what I read was What Moves the Dead by T. Kingfisher. And this is kind of like gothic, follow the house of Usher, and weird fungus stuff, but not Mexican gothic. This is much lighter, has uh, a lot of humor in it. There is basically Beatrix Potter's aunt, who's an amateur mycologist, as one of the characters, uh, that you get introduced to in the introduction of the story, and she's just amazing. Um, your main character is a former officer in a, an imaginary country where the military allows you to be non-binary if you want to, so they have a an additional set of pronouns for that. Um, they run into the mycologist, have a wonderful conversation, and all of these facts end up being uh integral to the plot later on in which it is very gothic. So if you would enjoy a little gothic house fall of the House of Usher type story, I definitely recommend this one. Um and it looks like it might turn into a series, so we'll see um the main character come back in another story in the new year. So I'm looking forward to that too. Uh well then I can pick up with a uh transition from there i'm like can't think of the word <laughs> like when you connect to the previous one uh <laughs> segue segue thank you no that's that little like roller thing did it have a handlebar i can't remember or yes, did it just yeah it, did, yeah, it had a little handlebar that's the segue uh anyways that is a callback to my <laughs> youth <laughs> uh so my selection is sort of a series, uh, mostly because I really did not read fiction this year at all. I had almost nothing to pick from. Thank goodness that during my Thanksgiving holiday, I was like, I'm going to gosh darn read something. I'm determined. And I picked up a romance novel, and it was fun enough that I read the whole series. So the series that I am recommending is The Wild, uh, the Wallflowers of Wildwood by Elizabeth Cole. I started with book three because I just picked a random book to try. I actually borrowed a whole bunch, and this was the, the first one that was successful. Um, uh, so the, the third one is called Heather and the Highlander, um, which is fairly funny. Uh, it has a very slight play off of Rapunzel. Uh, so then I went back to the start of the series and the first book in this series, which is called Daisy and the Duke, has a little bit of a play off of Cinderella that's a little more obvious than – like that connect to Cinderella is more obvious than the connect to like fairy tales as in any of the other books. Um, it's so subtle in the other books that for some of them I was like, I'm not even sure what it is and frankly, I don't care. Uh, so – but mostly they're just uh, kind of fun characters – reasonably witty and and funny and playful to be with um nothing that like popped my meter of 
oh my gosh, that is actually a really horrible, abusive thing for you to do to another person, and then we're going to make it pretend romantic. Whew, didn't have to deal with that feeling. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, so that was helpful. Um, the one that I started with, the Heather and the Highlander, does start with she is running away because her uh, uncle, who is her guardian, is trying to marry her off. So she's running away to get out of that situation. So there is some like bad stuff that's happened. But then, you know, the guy who picks her up on the road and defends her uh, is like, well, let's just go get married then, and then we can just annul it in a week or two, right after that, when you turn old enough to inherit everything. And she's like, yes, okay, I guess this is a weird, but why not do it plan? And so they get married, and then it turns out all wonderful, right from there. So, that, you know, it's just kind of silly and light fun, and I thought they were pretty well written, and um, they got me to read something. In fiction, particularly. So that was a success for this year. So now on to our nonfiction picks for the year. And for the podcast, we had uh, the genres that we covered in the last year were sports nonfiction, gender theory and gender studies, economics, aliens, extraterrestrials, and UFOs, and crafts and crafting. And also lyric poetry. Lyric poetry is the weird one because that's the like format that we did this year, which we classify as nonfiction, even though it's not really nonfiction. But it gets put into the nonfiction category for reasons. Though I also included it in the fiction category. So it's wherever people want to put it, really. So for the podcast, the book I picked as my favorite for the year, um, as ha and also one that like maybe the book that had the greatest impact on me in many ways this year was one I read for economics. It was Cobalt Red, How the Blood of the Congo Powers Our Lives by Siddharth Kara. And it is all about the cobalt mining industry in the Congo. And cobalt is primarily or is one of the things that is used in making rechargeable batteries. Um, and so it's in basically everything in our lives at this point. Um, or not every type of rechargeable battery, but a lot of the, a lot of them. And it is just a really horrific book. Um, it is really depressing and distressing and upsetting all the time. Um, there's a part in the book where He's describing the author is describing this one specific mine, and um, you're like, oh, this isn't that bad. Uh, and the author is like, I felt that this wasn't that bad, and then I realized, like, no, this is still horrible. It's just that these women are not getting sexually assaulted, and no one is getting trapped in holes. It's still a really terrible work environment. It's just not as bad as the like atrociously bad work environments. Um, so yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Um, and it's very upsetting and it talks about like the difficulties in making it a, an industry that does not use child labor and things like that. And worth reading, I think. So I chose, uh, a book out of the books I read for lyric poetry. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and feel justified because it included autobiographical elements, which is nonfiction enough. Uh, you could argue it the other way, but. This is not an argument I am invested in, so it's the choices that I made. It's called Goldenrod by Maggie Smith. Um, I really connected with uh, a lot of the poems, uh, especially ones that included themes of grief and family. So it's my pick. Fantastic. I also thought about selecting the poetry one that I read this year, but I ended up going with... 
Um, they are already here, UFO Culture and Why We See Saucers by Sarah Scholes. Um, this was one that I both enjoyed and had some struggles with. Specifically, what I had challenges with was the author's voice in here, which is, as I described in the episode a little bit, like the BuzzFeed-style journalism. It's just a little kind of light and personal and occasionally unserious in various ways that I sort of struggle with a little bit. Um, but ultimately, once I sort of got over my little hang up on that, um, I feel like they went in a lot of really interesting and good directions. The book is very much more about our, our culture as we relate to the concept of uh, aliens and UFOs and why we are driven towards that and follows a few different stories. Also follows a lot about how weird ways in which like people you wouldn't expect get involved in like government programs <laughs> on this kind of stuff, like uh, through various money methods, you know? So like random businessmen and, and Tom DeLong from Blink-182 and like just the weird things, you know, that you're like, that's really the expert you're going to get involved in this. Okay. Um, but it also talks a little he's, bit about- He stopped investigating UFOs and is now back in the band and they're releasing music again. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, but it also talks a little bit about like people who are um, ufologists or do their res do research into this and deeply believe it and who they are and why they do. And also people who work to sort of try to figure out what proof means in this area and and what drives them and their understandings of proof and what you can count as proof and stuff like that. So and it does it through sort of anecdotes and interviews um as well as pulling out like history and actual like you know researchable <laughs> facts as well. Um it's not super current in that there's some, you know, very recent stuff that has happened in this area like in the, within the last year or two and it's it's just slightly too old to miss that but still, you know, within like a few years of today. Um it's just slightly unfortunate that it misses some interesting things that have happened literally within like the last year in terms of this kind of conversation around culturally how we are dealing with this and how it is weirdly intersecting with our government and like why I you know okay let's not go there. Anyways, the point is <laughs> um I I had some challenges with it and yet I still think it was worth the read um and more interesting than I expected it to be more interesting than what I expected out of that episode and the reading experiences for that month. So I appreciated that. So I looked at what nonfiction I had read for the podcast this year, and there was not a lot of it. I feel like I, I didn't do a great job uh, keeping up with the nonfiction uh, genres this, this year. Um, I, I, maybe, I don't know. We had some rough ones, but but not more so than previous years, I think. Anyway, I, I went for, that's a preface to say, I went for the obvious pick. I, I chose the nonfiction book that uh, I read during Gender Theory and Gender Studies, uh, episode 170, which was Histories of the Transgender Child by Jules Gill Peterson. Uh, yeah, it was... Definitely a very academic book. Um, if you are gonna pick it up, it is it is 
it is dense, um, but it is totally worthwhile. It is so well thoroughly researched. Uh, I feel like it is. I, I am a person who is well read in in this area of study, and um, both felt like very affirming to read at during you know this this year and the last couple of years, um, and. Uh, also like refreshing. Like, I, I feel like there is some, some, um, frameworks, both like looking at things, uh, historically, how we talk about people and, and in modern day, how we talk about children, um, frameworks that are, are refreshing. And I wish there were, there was more of, uh, in the sort of mainstream conversation about trans people and specifically trans kids. Um, so that's histories of the transgender child by Jules Gill Peterson, definitely worth reading. All right. So our next category is nonfiction we read, not for the podcast. Um, and again, I'm t- picking something I read a little bit more recently during my readathon. And it's called Prairie Fires, The American Dreams of Laura Ingalls Wilder by Carolyn Fraser. It's a 2017 pick, and I'm pretty sure I bought it for my library when I was still doing that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and this, this was sort of, um, inspired. Someone had recommended a podcast where two women were doing a deep dive into the Laurel Ingle Wilder phenomenon. Um, I think it's actually called Wilder. And they, I guess the first episode, they went to a an event. And I was not as interested in the podcast, but I'd remember this book. And I went looking for what works there were. And I think this was really fascinating for someone who had grown up reading the Little House on the Prairie books multiple times. Um, because you think of them as autobiographical, um, but they were sold as fictionalized. And so what the book does is it goes through Laura Ingalls Wilder's her parents and her life and then the life of her child, Rose. Um, and just really sort of gives you a better idea of what actually happened, what their lives actually were like. Um, the stuff that got not, not included in the books for, for various reasons, whether ideological or whether because it made a better story or because that, you know, there were times, uh, very hungry times, I think, hard and hungry times. Um, and some of that, but the author just doesn't want to go into, which I think is understandable. So this was really revealing of what that time and place was like before it got mythologized into this series of books. I feel like a lot of us have been exposed to. So that was really interesting. Okay, for my selection, uh, yet again, I did not have much of anything this year to pick from. Um, because I really didn't read much of anything this year. <laughs> like, it sort of feels weird to say that, but I genuinely did not read much of any books. You read a lot of parts of books. You didn't parts. finish many books. That is the, the crucial thing here. There's and books all over the apartment. 
Yeah, Matthew mentioned this earlier because I I was talking about this and he was like, is that why there's so many piles of books everywhere? And I was like, yeah, it's directly related to the fact that I keep starting a book and reading a chapter, maybe two chapters, and then putting it down and never picking it up again. But I just leave it out for myself, assuming I'll pick it up again. And I don't. And I have done that with dozens of books. They are in stacks all over the place. And I've given up on several stacks and just reshelved them. We bought a new bookcase today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's been rough y'all so so i didn't have much to pick from um and i kept thinking of books from last year <laughs> i kept thinking of books being like maybe that one no i read that last year maybe that one no i read that last year <laughs> so i finally just was like okay wait i did listen to this one audiobook all the way through to the end and thought it was kind of interesting but it's on a weird and random thing they wouldn't normally like listen to um so that book was called called Never Enough, When Achievement Culture Becomes Toxic and What We Can Do About It by uh, Jennifer Brenny Wallace. Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce her middle name. I'm not actually sure. There's an extra E in there. I wasn't sure how to place um, verbally. And what I found interesting about this book, it's, it's essentially about a very small portion of people in the world, actually, because it's really about... Um, achievement culture for relatively wealthy Americans. This is like upper middle class Americans, not the like top, top wealthy, but the ones that are living a pretty comfortable suburban household, multiple cars, multiple working parents in high profession, high status professions, um, who are probably going to good quality schools, many of them private, but not exclusively private schools. And so it's it's a pretty limited group of people, and yet they have sort of an outsized impact, I think, on our culture in a lot of ways. And this is one of the areas they often have impact in, is what we believe we need to achieve in life and what messages children receive about what they need to achieve in life, such as going to college, getting your degree, um, and not just going to any college, but going to a good college and getting a good degree that's really transferable to a good quality job and what that means, right? Like how you identify what that is. And so that is kind of what was interesting me about this book is that sort of influence that that particular culture has on other people. Um, But it was specifically – built around interviews with people who are in that community who are experiencing that, children and their parents, and how they're ending up in these situations, how they feel about it, what does achievement mean to them, and how they're struggling with that, what kind of stress reactions children are going through, what that's doing to their health, to their well-being, um, what actually are they able to achieve, and, and how do they identify when it's too much, and how hard it is to identify what is too much. Um, given the messages that they receive. And a lot of what she focuses on then solution-wise is around like the importance of the message that you matter no matter what you achieve, that it's not achievement that makes you matter. You matter inherently because you exist, right? <laughs> like that is why you matter. Um, and that's an important message that a lot of these children never hear and is a critical part of of their struggle. Um so 
on the one hand, I was a little eye rolly over some sections of it. Um, in particular, there's a lot of this, like, you don't have to go to, um, you know, the best, most elite colleges. And yet, like, a lot of the citations and things she uses are as me- – uh, many reviewers pointed out come from people who went to elite colleges and things like that. So like, you know, there's there's challenges with these messages. They aren't coherent all the time. Like they, it's hard not to continue this on some level. Um, but it's also like worth discussing what this does because I do work in an academic environment. And so this is some of the culture that I am engaging with on a daily basis. And this is some of the feelings that people I am working with are coming into that space with because I, in particular, I work with students who mostly I work with graduate students, right? And they are dealing with a lot of these feelings um, around achievement culture that's very embedded into graduate studies and into higher level academia. So that was some of the stuff I was also kind of thinking about in there and part of why I finished it and finishing it as part of why it's on this list <laughs> honestly <laughs> so my nonfiction pick not for the podcast uh is a book that i have actually talked about on the podcast before during our summer 2023 media update i said the year because i was just looking at the title of the episode um our summer media update <laughs> from this year uh The book is The Girl I Am, Was, and Never Will Be, A Speculative Memoir of Transracial Adoption by Shannon Gibney. This is, like I said, also one that really blurs the line between fiction and nonfiction. There's definitely some fictional elements in here, but uh, it is, it's a memoir. Um, It's a speculative memoir, but in the same way that like poetry, while it is transformative, is still, you know, by and large, we consider it nonfiction. Um, and especially if it is based in someone's life. Yeah. So this is a memoir, be it a speculative one. So it is going as my nonfiction pick. Uh, I loved this book. It was so good. Uh, I, you can go back to episode 181, where I talked about it the first time and had fresher thoughts on it. Um, but I did, I did remember like one specific thing that, um, she does that I didn't mention in that episode, which uh, I will mention here. There is one chapter, and I won't say exactly what it is because I want people to go read this book. Um, there is a chapter that is a story from her mother's life, um, and it is like very sort of intense and emotional. And this is a story that from her birth mother's life, I should say. Um, a story that like after she met her birth mother, this is the story that she heard. Um, and a few chapters later finds out from a relative that it's not true. It, it happened a completely different way. Um, like not only are like the details like remembered differently, it's like, no, she was in a different place and a different thing happened. Um, and then it reprints that previous chapter of this like very affecting emotional story, like all crossed out. Um, and yeah, it is it is based on um Shannon Gibney's life as an adoptee um and yeah, trying to trying to make sense of of her own story out of these sort of fractured um pieces that that she's been given of it and uh yeah, the, I I highly highly recommend it. It's really good. The girl I am was and never will be. So my favorite nonfiction not for the podcast was 31 nil on the road with football's outsiders, a world cup odyssey by James Montague, which is tracking 
um, the qualification process for in a bunch of different countries all around the world in a bunch of different soccer organizations around the world um, for the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. This is a book I requested from the library, hoping to read for our nonfiction sports episode. And it did not show up. It was missing. They could not find the book. Several months later, they found it. And I was able to read it. And I thought it was really good. Um, and it's because it's not about... It's because it is so much about the politics and histories and struggles in different countries of players and teams and lots of interesting stuff there. Um, I think it's a book that that people could find interesting even if they don't necessarily care about soccer um, because it's not about like tactics. It's about how does the Palestinian team get to a qualifier when they're not allowed to cross the border? Um, what happens when players from this team keep defecting whenever they play in international tournaments? So it's it's more about that sort of thing than like the goal scored or anything like that. So I thought it was really interesting. Um, and I would love to read one about every World Cup qualification. If, if he just kept doing them, I would read them. But there's been two World Cups since then. Uh, so it doesn't look like that's going to happen, unfortunately. <laughs> it's a lot of work. So now it is time for our other favorite things. Uh, media, other favorite media that we experienced this year. Don't have to be books. Could be other things. Anna, you're going first. Do we get to just unlimited cheat on this one? Uh, so the first thing I picked was a podcast, uh, If Books Could Kill, with Michael Hobbs and Peter... Yeah, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what his last name is. Um, it starts with an S. I don't know. Shamshiri? Yeah. Shamshiri. It's a fake last name. It's not his real one, which is part of why it's I- Sham? It's a sham. Yes. Um, anyways, so this podcast takes uh, nonfiction bestsellers and then just basically discusses their cultural impact and also why their absolute silliness um, just should not exist and or are just selling you horrible narratives and or are totally inaccurate. Um and actually, what I really wanted to select was one particular episode, but I felt guilty selecting it because it's actually a Patreon supporter episode. So unless you provide them a little bit of of uh, money, um, you can't get to this episode. But one of their Patreon episodes is um, the Meme Stock Cult. And I thought this is one of the most interesting ones that they've done. It's actually not about a book. It's just examining uh, that whole GameStop um, meme stock thing that occurred. And then it's more about actually where that's gone since then. Um, so those people are still on this whole thing about how GameStop uh, – about how GameStop stocks are going to like, you know – be incredibly um, important uh, ways of making money, <laughs> but they aren't. But they believe this, uh, and it has implications. Yeah, anyways, it's all about that whole story, and I thought it was fascinating. Um, from the non-paid ones, I thought the two-parter on Nudge, on the book Nudge, was uh, particularly good. 
set of episodes. Um, other things that have eaten up huge amounts of my time this year um, are video games. And in particular, I'm into playing um, simulation and sort of resource management or colony management games. Um, so two games that ate up the most of my time uh, were Oxygen Not Included and Two Point Hospital. Um, those are the two games this year that I spent the most time on. Oxygen Not Included is one where you are a um, colonist. Uh, no, Space you're explorer. You, well, you're not because you're you're clone. a clone. Thank you. <laughs> you're a clone. Um, you're you control a few clones that uh appear stuck inside of a uh space object somewhere, and you have to go figure out how to get them to survive that. And um, so there's a whole bunch of really complicated mechanics involved in it. And it's actually super complicated and I've never gotten that far along in it, but, uh, I haven't killed very many of my clones so far. So I'm very proud of myself, um, on that point. And then two point hospital is more of a, just like there, there's, uh, hospitals that you run and bonkers weird diseases <laughs> that people come in with and you have to, heal them all and figure out how to do this with minimal resources or under weird conditions, um, like meteor showers and things like that. Um, and then the final thing that I was going to mention for this year. And Two Point Campus yes. is the university version of that that you've also been playing. I have played Two Point Campus as well, but not as much as Two Point Hospital, which is why I selected that one. I played Two Point Campus this year as well. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I recommend Two Point Hospital then. <laughs> I, well, the thing is, I played probably a, I, I don't remember what it was called. The company had a different name, but I played their hospital sim when I was a kid. Theme hospital. Wasn't it theme hospital? Yeah. But yes, I played the hospital one quite a lot when I was a kid. And so then I saw they had a campus one now. And I, I, I always found some of the jokes in the hospital one a little dark. <laughs> um, and so I was like, maybe campus will be better. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I also suggest if you are learning a language, switch the spoken track in those games to that language because all of the reading is still in your first language but all of the like cute little jokes they make are in the language you're learning mine was in german anyway just a fun side fact so the final thing i wanted to bring up then was actually from uh, another sort of limited like not many people can get to experience this i'm sorry <laughs> because this is spatially bound um so the Kirkland Museum of Fine and Decorative Arts was one of the museums in Denver that Matthew and I visited this year. And of all of the different museums that we went to, I think this is the one we both enjoyed the most. It's not particularly large, um, but it has just a really fun collection of interesting objects of all different types. So it's not just your artwork in the traditional sense of artwork, although there is some of that there. It's just daily life objects that have um, interesting designs and interesting ways that we built them and and kind of the uh, comparison over time of different uh, ways that we have thought about how to shape our objects in our lives. So yeah, if you want to see some cool chairs or spoons or lamps or gravy boats, this is the place to go. In totally. Denver. Yeah, in Denver. I don't have a segue. Um, but uh, my, I have two things uh, that I will mention. My first is something that I mentioned without naming in one of our, our uh, media update episodes throughout the year. I said there was a film I watched and really enjoyed, but I wasn't going to talk about it because of the writer's strike. And the writers now have a contract. Hooray. Um, <laughs> the writer's strike and the SAG after strike uh, have, have ended for the moment. Um, stay tuned to see 
uh, if the industry gives other people fair contracts. I have a friend who makes costumes and um, they're in, in bargaining either now or soon, I believe. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but for now, I can talk about this film. Uh, and that film is Nimona. Uh, Nimona came out this year. Um, it's based on the uh, comic by um, N.D. Stevenson. And I'll just I'll just start by reading the review that I wrote on Letterboxd for this film. Um, I, this is maybe slightly spoiler, spoilery, but not terribly so. Uh, there has not been a more heartbreaking gay-coded animated sequence since Toy Story 2. And I don't know what watching this movie is like if you didn't read the comic, don't know a bit about the creator, didn't come out as trans on a similar timeline, have never struggled with self-hatred, and have never talked to your therapist about your Dungeons & Dragons character. But having done all of those things, I really fucking loved this movie. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's, this is one of the few things. Yeah, it's one of the few things Matthew and I watched this year. And we both also really, we actually talked about it a lot afterwards, which is not common for us. We don't usually spend time, you know, talking over what few movies or media we take in in that format. But we spent a lot of time talking about it. Animation is beautiful. It is. Yeah, it looks great. This is also, I don't remember the full story behind this movie, but I know it was like being produced and then production shut down with whatever it was like Disney or Pixar or some like very big stateside uh, company that was making it and a French animation studio um, essentially rescued it um, and, and ensured it got made. Um, and yeah, so it is, it is, uh yeah a, a plucky little movie which also feels appropriate for for kind of the the story and the characters um they made some changes from the graphic novel or you know the comics started as like web comics and um uh yeah has just just like very emotional for me as someone who's been following Andy Stevenson for more than a decade and has seen their work evolve from, um, you know, like posting funny Hunger Games, like one panel comics on their Tumblr um, to um, being able to watch Nimona today feels really special. And they did an amazing job and they made um, some changes uh, that I think are are really interesting and worked really well. Oh, I have a second thing. Shuna's Journey. Uh, my second thing is a book. It is a graphic novel. It is Shuna's Journey by uh, Miyazaki, Hayao Miyazaki, um, who you may know from all of the Studio Ghibli films and uh, yeah, Kiki's Delivery Service. Uh, you know them. I'm not going to... If you listen to this podcast, you probably know what a, what a Studio Ghibli film is. Uh, Shuna's Journey is a... Um, graphic novel that he wrote uh, many years ago, I think. Um, uh, I, yeah, the the sort of, okay, yes, 1983 originally published, uh, was published this year in English for the first time, um, translated by Alex uh, Dudak DeWitt, and is just beautiful. Um, perhaps unsurprisingly, if you've looked at anything else that Miyazaki's ever done. Um, but I really liked it. I really enjoyed, there's a, a, an element in either the, the foreword or the afterword, one of the words that somebody else wrote, um, 
about how so many um, Miyazaki movies are about uh, these child heroes reacting to something, you know, something magical happens to them or they happen upon something magical and they react to it where Shuna's Journey is a story about uh, a prince who sees his people struggling and they're like getting by, but he, um, it, it is a, a story about a character who um, looks at the status quo and, and says, I think the world could be better and I'm going to go make it better. Um, which, yeah, I, I really liked. And I think is a kind of uncommon plot for, um, for a story like this. And if you are a fan of, um, other Studio Ghibli works, you may see some like, I'm looking at like the creature on the cover um, that looks uh, familiar from from some of his other works. Um, but yeah, I think you will uh, both find some things that feel very like familiar and and are fun to to see this this older work um, in English for the first time. And also like something that feels like slightly different than a lot of the other uh, Miyazaki stories I've seen. So Shuna's Journey was great. It's one I checked out of the library, but have seen it in bookstores a few times since and gone, mm, I should I should just buy a copy for myself because I do want to read it again. I do just want to look at it. It's The art is gorgeous. It's beautiful. And it's one of those things where I'm just like, how has this never been translated before? You know, yeah. it like blows my mind that it had never been released before. But yeah, it's it's very good. I just uh, looked at my review on Goodreads and realized that I actually checked it out of the library, sat down in the library and finished it while there, <laughs> and then took it home anyway, because I wanted to look at it longer, because it's just so gorgeous. Speaking of very good comics, my first thing that I will mention is Ducks by Kate Beaton, which I'm sure everyone has heard of, but it's about um, a woman, uh, a young woman who's just graduated from university in the mid-2000s who from Cape Breton in Nova Scotia, who goes to Northern Alberta to work in the oil sands um, and just about her experiences working there. Uh, it is something that I don't think I'd realized how closely or I'd forgotten how closely like it echoed things that happened in my lives, except I moved to South Korea instead of Northern Alberta. Um, but just like that kind of feeling of like, Oh, I have a degree that's useless. What do I do with my life now? Sort of thing. Um, and it's just, like a very, very different art style than Shuna's journey. But also Kate Beaton is just so good at like portraying emotions and showing characters with just a few lines. Uh, she's so good at what she does. I'll also mention a video game. Uh, I really enjoyed near automata, which is about robots fighting other robots in the future. Sorry. Androids fighting robots in the future. There's a distinction in the game. Uh, first 20 hours was great diminishing returns after I tried to platinum the game don't platinum the game I regret that immensely uh, but those first few hours and like actually the ending was also very good as well um, it's a game where you don't want to spoil things but spoiling some things would have helped me enjoy parts of the game more which is like a bummer uh, but I also don't want to talk about it much anyway yeah if you like games where you're like a robot a weird goth lady cyborg no a weird goth lady android in a like a post-apocalyptic world fighting very weird robots uh and you have like a base in a satellite and there's other androids it's very philosophical yeah oh like the first line is about like killing god like it's one of those games everything that lives is designed to end 
we are perpetually trapped in a never-ending spiral of life and death. Is this a curse? Or some kind of punishment? I often think about the god who blessed us with this cryptic puzzle, and wonder if we'll ever have the chance to kill him. Anyway, uh, lots of twists. Um, I thought it was very good. I liked the combat. It's also very pretty. Yeah. Just overall, very pretty. I watched a lot of it. I did not play any of it. <laughs> so I'm never quite sure what to include on these things. But one thing I want to mention is um, the group that I game with, um, someone ran a one shot of a game called Ten Candles. Mm. And there's a bunch of different situations in which the events will play out. But um, the basics of it is there's something terrible in the darkness. You have to move from where you are to somewhere else. Uh, and you're running out of light. So the way it works is you sit around a table. You have tea candles. I think... 10, 10 candles, 10 tea candles. And the idea of the tea candles is if you fail at an action that you're trying to accomplish, you blow out the candle. Um, and sometimes the candles just gutter and the scene ends. <laughs> um, and so there's a layer of, of, um, excitement that way there was a lot of don't breathe too hard um so it was a very like uh emotionally impactful game unexpectedly because we were all thinking oh it's a it's a game we will play our game characters and it will be fun and then you really do get invested in in your imaginary characters um in a relatively short amount of time since the game is limited by how long tea candles can run um, and the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, a Quebec film called Le Plongeur, which means the dishwasher. It's uh, a book by Stéphane Leroux, and it's been translated into English, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure about the film, but probably there are subtitles somewhere. And it's about a 19-year-old in Montreal in 2002, um, and he makes some bad decisions. <laughs> uh but it all, it, it's very evocative of the, the time and the place. Um, so, yeah. Go check it out. That's all of our favorite things. I also had a Patreon uh, paywalled <laughs> podcast episode that I could have put on my list, but thought would be unfair. I know, it does seem terribly unfair, but I'm sorry. It was like one of the most interesting things I <laughs> listened to this year. It's really... Is it even a podcast if it's behind a paywall? I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well. You could also, yeah, you could also do um, the Folding Ideas has an episode about the, called uh, This Is Financial Advice. That's about the same sort of thing, but looking at it from a different angle. And, and so they actually work super well together because they're looking at the same topic from different angles. I did consider putting a YouTube video essay category in my best of the year. Yeah. And I think that will actually be listed on um, in our runners-up 
other things that we didn't talk about in this episode. Because, you know, I have so many comics. There's like my top 10 comics I read this year list. <laughs> that is on our website. It's in the show notes. You can check it out there. You'll also find all of our other runners up from everything from the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I did put the moon on my up list. <laughs> <laughs> So that was me today going through, I was like, what else happened this year? What else did I do? I don't, I only remember like three months in the past. Let me go through my photos to remind myself what, what I was doing for this year. And I've taken a good number of photos of the moon because she looks great and I'm really happy for her. Yeah. That's, although I'm a little sorry that she's only a runner up. It seems like a celestial body should not be a runner up. But well, yeah. But like, you know, millions of years running. Like they've won it before, Anna. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Is like I, I, I didn't want to make it my top. I was like, is this the year I've appreciated the moon the most? I don't know. I don't know if it I've got a lot of time with the moon. So lots of other stuff that we enjoyed this year that you can find there. That's not the only example you're giving. Yes. I guess we've already mentioned some. Yes. I mentioned some others. This one's great. I think that's fine. Um, Yes. Uh, Let us know what your favorite things of the year were. Um, Did you, what books did you like? What media did you like? Please feel free to to let us know. And maybe you'll hear us talk about it next year. If we uh, read it or play it or listen to it or watch it and like it as well. Assuming I ever read again. (sighs) Thanks for listening to this episode of the Book Club for Masochists. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Until That Goes Away, and YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, subscribe so you never miss an episode, and consider giving us a positive rating and or review. If you've already done that, thank you very much. For all of our URLs and social media accounts, the four in our name is a numeral. You can go to our website at bookclub4m.com, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash bookclub4m, and find us on Instagram at bookclub4m. Our email address is bookclub4m at gmail.com. On our website, you can find show notes that will provide links to the things we've mentioned, social media info for everyone who appeared on this episode, and our genre-based book lists of titles by authors of color. You can suggest a genre or title for us to read or request a recommendation from us. We have a form you can fill out for, linked from our website. No promises on reading your suggestion, but we will give you a recommendation if you ask for one. All opinions are our own and do not reflect our places of employment if they exist. Book Club for Masochists is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Our theme music is To Arrakis by Dark Sun from the Free Music Archive. New episodes are the first and occasionally the third Tuesday of every month. Join us again on Tuesday, January 2nd, when it's time for trains, planes, and automobiles and bicycles, as we discuss nonfiction books about transit and transportation. Then on Tuesday, February 6th, just in time for Valentine's Day, we'll be discussing the genre of humorous romance. Or funny romance. Romantic comedy, perhaps. Yes, there we go. Rom-coms. Oh, no. The books. Books. Books (laughs) version thereof. Why were you not recording when you were saying this? I mean, we don't have all the context now, so if I just say bisexual bicycle or bisexual icicle, the audience won't really understand. Oh, okay. Ah! (laughs) 
<laughs> Neither of you heard that, but you both, for us, you both spoke the exact same thing at the exact, exact same, same time. time. <laughs> yeah, like, it was like perfectly aligned. Just realize this lighting and these headphones make me look like I'm going to stream some video games. <laughs> it does. Gamer. Yeah. Gamer. I look like a gamer. Excellent. Good job, everyone. Now, no one is allowed to experience any media for the next three weeks.